And I'm your co-host, Ethan. New episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Happy Thanksgiving, you guys. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. This is coming out uh, a week after Thanksgiving. So oh, okay. Not Thanksgiving. Well, we're recording it the day before. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. So for us, it's pretty much Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Today here we have uh, Andrew Stover, who's been on before. How you good doing? to be back. I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. Doing pretty good here in the local 920 area. <laughs> the local 920 <laughs> area. Yes, yeah. Yes, <laughs> we got soup down in Milwaukee, and you're at Madtown, mm-hmm. Madison, Hell yeah. uh, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. How is that, man? pretty good uh we might go to the big 10 championship this year and if we do i am gonna be going i'm gonna be going to indian indianapolis that's super cool now what is that (laughs) the big 10 championship yeah okay you don't follow college football not at all okay so the badgers are in a conference called the big 10 they're in the west division and then there's other teams in the east division they're in the lead in the west division if they win this next game against the other team that is tied with us for the top of the division um then we'll go to the championship and it's kind of a big deal if you win the big 10 championship so interesting okay then we could go to the rose bowl which that's pasadena california so i, yeah. I could be going there too we'll see you'll go if they go oh i i would yeah probably I, that'd be my christmas present or something that'd be dope oh yeah could i ask you you don't touch your microphone because I, I can hear like the vibration oh shit yeah my bad you're sorry good. you're good okay. i'm allowed to swear in here too right yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just don't use the heck word. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what are you going for again? Just for other Psychology and human development. Okay. Yeah. How is that? How is that going? Uh, pretty good. I mean, I'm learning about, I'm starting to learn about the more interesting stuff. So, like, I'm in an abnormal psych course. So, I'm starting to learn about, like, mental illnesses and how that's, they manifest and symptoms and I'm treatments and stuff. You, dr- you drop some knowledge on us? Hmm. What kind of knowledge you want? whatever you find interesting yeah well i don't have my notes out in front of me unfortunately (laughs) you didn't bring your i did learn like really i did learn interesting stuff like depression like uh causes memory loss which i didn't know yeah so that that's pretty interesting so people that are like really depressed are going to do worse in school and stuff like that in general it's not everyone but do they they cover like why depression is so big nowadays compared to we we talk a little bit about that it's called well so it's called cohort effects so cohort cohort effects are basically like how the generation you're raised in impacts the mental health of your generation. So we talk a lot about like social media and how that like uh, when we were talking about body dysmorphia, um, basically people that like aren't happy with how their body looks at all to like an extreme degree, not people that are like, I wish I was less fat or something. It's like people that look at a like single mole on their face and like do everything they can to like cover it up and they're like super self-conscious about it and stuff like we've talked about how like rates of that is like increased over the years like we don't know whether that is because it is like because of social media or if it's just more people seeking treatment that's we don't know if it's like less stigma or what it is but i i really think it's like it's all social media oriented because there's never been like another time where we could like a time in human history where we could see this amount of depression and this amount of insecurity. And there's been some really shitty times in the human history. So when people like try to argue that it's just natural for people to have this kind of depression or this much anxiety, and I'm like, I, I don't know. Cause we have a pretty good here in the States In other countries that don't have as much depression depression and anxiety 
a lot of them are doing really, really bad, yet they still have a relatively um, healthy mental state among their society. Well, that's what's so interesting is that there are certain disorders like um, I just learned yesterday, actually, like so schizophrenia has like the same prevalence across the world, like no matter what country you go in, it's like 1% in every country. So like some some illnesses are just like extremely stable, you know, across the board, but there are other ones like depression and anxiety and body dysmorphia is a big one too, where like the more like modern and industrialized and wealthier country becomes, the more common those disorders become, which is weird. Like you you would you would assume if you're doing better off than you ever have as like a country or a species or like in certain pockets of the world, you would assume that people would be happier, but that's actually not the case. So what that tells me is that like wealth and prosperity aren't everything when it comes to being happy. Oh, it's definitely so hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, there's, yeah. I think it's interesting because I think we're like modern society as a whole is, is very different from what you would consider modern society like um a few generations ago like i'm talking like you know you have like top class societies and then bottom class societies we're obviously the top but this right now i feel like we're like we're like playing with a lot of new technology a lot of new the metaverse have you heard about that oh my god <laughs> we can get into that yeah. a little later. i actually haven't really even read anything about that i just i just yeah. heard about the facebook changing their name to meta okay. and it like becoming like a ready player one type of yeah i have i haven't read a lot type about of world. it yet either but, <laughs> but um that's a very interesting topic but um no what i'm saying is is yeah stuff like that you know like this social media stuff has never been done before ever and so it's it's impossible to look back at our history and be like all right here's here's a situation in which like we've had a similar uh, we've had a similar problem, you know, because we've never been able to process information this fast ever as a human society. So like, there's going to be problems out there that I feel like, like depression and, and anxiety and body dysmorphia, like these problems are probably, um, the result of like something completely new that we have only new information on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one thing too is we talked about this in our previous podcast a lot and like phone addiction and stuff. And because of that, I have to do a research paper in English and the topic I chose was phone addiction and how it affects mental health. And the more research I've been doing, the more I've been finding that there's not a direct link between the two. So yeah, it's assumed yeah. that there probably is and like, but right now we can't definitively say that like they need to do more research. But what they've been finding is there's a lot of like indirect links. Like a lot of people who are addicted to their phones won't get as much sleep as they should be getting because they're on their phone instead of in bed or like in bed, but still on their phone. So they're not going to fall asleep. And that like constant just like sleep deficit can cause like a lot of problems or things like not getting enough socialization. Like you're not like building strong bonds. So when you do go through something instead of turning to a friend or family member because you don't have those strong bonds. You'll just turn to your phone, which is not going to help you. Yeah. So, like, I've been learning there's a lot of, like, indirect link between things. But, like, as far as the phone use and social media itself, like, it's seeming like that's could potentially not be just the cause, you know? No, I, I think you raise a good point there because I think the – I think my 
idea is that the link there is that it makes it easier for people to withdraw. Like it's easy to withdraw from social situations. If you can just watch a million YouTube videos and get the same amount of like pleasure from it, you know? Yeah. And so people that are like super depressed and don't want to go out, they have no incentive to try to fight through that because they can just sit inside and play video games or sit on their phone and scroll through Instagram and they get the same like releases of like chemicals in their brain and stuff. So I think it makes it easier for people to withdraw and like ignore their problems, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause that, that like comfort that you get from just scrolling on your phone, I'll find myself doing that. And like, ever since we had that one conversation here where we were talking about, um, phone use and stuff, I've been very like conscious about when I go on my phone and stuff. And I, and I try, I try my best to always, um, when there's a situation where I have to wait for something, my first initial reaction is I'll go on your phone because you have to wait. What else is there to do? But a lot of the times I like after that, I think, you know what? Like, I don't really need to be on my phone. You know, I, I, I don't have to be there. I could just sit here and think, you know, and it's, it's a lot better to be doing, to be doing that kind of stuff. Cause I do find myself like, in any type of like challenge and stuff, um, when I when I'm doing my homework, if I come across something that's like too difficult to do, I will I will literally just grab my phone and start looking at it, and I won't even notice. I won't even yeah, notice. Yeah, it's like a natural like reaction. A, yeah. a minute afterwards, I'm like, oh my god, I just grabbed my phone and I'm scrolling through here when I should be doing like this challenging homework and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. Like it's just that comfort, you know. It's so comfortable to just ignore everything else and just you know scroll through that kind of stuff yeah i noticed that a lot too i do it all the time yeah i one actually this kind of brings up I, t- I was talking about this with uh with calvin last night he was like do you think our generation is lazier than other generations and my first temptation was to say like yes mm-hmm. but i don't think we actually are lazier in the sense that if we're motivated to do something if it's something we enjoy we're just as motivated as other generations i think our the difference between us and other generations is that they had an easier time pushing through difficult work and difficult tasks because they didn't have the instant gratification we have now you know so it's like it's easy for us if we have an assignment to do to be like like in a class we we hate to just be like ah screw it i'm not gonna do it i'll just sit on my phone instead or watch a movie on netflix or something so it's a lot easier for us to put stuff off you know, because for them, if they didn't do their work, what else did they do? Because if their friends are doing their work, they're just literally sitting there doing nothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But in our generation, like, there's little incentive to push through that hard hard work other than for the sake of doing that work to get through it, you mm-hmm. know. So. Yeah, I think, I think laziness and, um, like, a hard work mentality, that, that's all that all can be learned and it is learned. So I, I think I agree when like you're saying that um, our generation is not lazier than the next generation. They have just haven't been taught how to work hard enough yet because when you grow up in like, let's say like the greatest generation, like the, the guys who fought world war two, um, they grew up in the, the, the depression. So they were dirt poor from the start. So obviously you're going to learn a lot about like 
the struggling of life and whatnot. And then obviously your entire country gets sent to, uh, uh, gets thrown into a world war and you're going to see even more struggle. But uh, a lot of those people came out extremely strong people from that. And, and, but we're not just, we're not forced into that nowadays. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of brought into the world in a very, very nice and easy way. And, um, you could arguably, you could live your whole life in that nice, easy route if you were given the right opportunities and the right chances. And I think a lot of people are. That kind of ties back into what we were saying before. And it's what I think why there's depression and anxiety is without that struggle to like, show you how to push past when you're like breaking down like you're it's completely new and foreign to you so that's probably in my opinion why the rates are higher is just people don't know how to push past struggle so it sticks and then becomes depression or anxiety or body dysmorphia or whatever you know we just have it way too easy which should be a good thing but i feel like humans are just hardwired to struggle well yeah yeah no i think it was um there's another thing I learned about my psychology class. I, I don't remember what the actual name was, but Freud basically had this idea that even if humans could somehow create like a heaven on earth sort of scenario, utopia, we would end up like destroying it anyway, just for the sake of destroying it. Like that's just, it's like our call to almost Probably. have difficulty in our lives, you know? Exactly. So that, that was just, that was just something I thought of. When yeah. Yeah. Up, and that makes a lot of sense too, because I mean, you see some of the strongest people out here, are some of the people who had like the worst upbringings or had to learn hard like difficult lessons uh early in their years or very quickly um like i always point out that like there's a lot of famous people like whenever i read like the majority of wealthy or famous people out there they came from like a very tough tough uh childhood like a rough upbringing not all of them, obviously. Um, Jaden Smith was probably doing really well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think he had any trouble. Yeah, yeah. But well, actually, his parents apparently didn't have a great relationship the more they get interviewed, so I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, but aren't yeah. they still together? Yeah. Have you not seen the memes, though, of like basically Will Smith just being shit on by yeah. by his yeah. wife? Like no, she, I she said, she like tweeted out something like, Happy birthday, Will Smith, as if he was like, <laughs> like a person she didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, who the fuck says about their about their husband happy birthday that's like my mom saying like i'm actually not gonna, not gonna say my dad's <laughs> name but you know like happy birthday i don't know ethan campbell like it's not gonna <laughs> it just um, doesn't make any sense yeah yeah but well, anyway sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, I think a lot of i think a lot of like wealthy people and people love to like i i've heard a lot of people like they love to just shit on wealthy people just because they're wealthy and but they have like a lot of these people have like uh, they seem to think that most wealthy people got it from their parents, which in that that's that's true for most countries, unfortunately. But our country produces the most penniless to millionaires in the world, you know, like from poverty to wealth, like it's very easy in this country to to go from living in poverty to be ex being extremely wealthy in one generation compared to other countries by by me saying very easy i don't mean like the whole process is really easy i'm saying like compared to other countries it it's doable it's very very possible it's extremely hard to do but it's impossible in some countries 
Well, we also have we also have a really misguided view as a country about what wealth actually looks like. That's true. Like yeah. we like for some reason we associate wealth with like Jeff Bezos and shit like that. And it, it's like I think it's Bezos, dude. Oh, Bezos, whatever the fuck. I don't know. <laughs> okay. the b- <laughs> no, I don't know, dude. <laughs> Fucking, I don't know. That's going to be our tagline. <laughs> Stobes doesn't know how to pronounce Bezos. Oh, my God. Anyway. Flip it. So, yeah. Okay, but we picture him as, like, this, like, Bond villain guy or whatever. We're, like, we picture wealth as, like, fancy cars, big mansions and shit. Dude, poor people in this country have multiple TVs. They have smartphones they carry with them. Like, the amount of, un- like, precedented technology even the poorest people in our country have is just insane. Like a poor person in our country right now has the like same, has a greater capacity to like get information than anyone a hundred years ago, even like the most, uh, the richest people in the world. Yeah, exactly. So we, we just have, and we also have a really misguided perception of what success is. Like, success isn't just getting the most amount of money possible and fucking the most bitches and shit like that. It's, it's like, I mean, obviously it depends on your personal goals, but it's stuff like, you know, building a connection with your community and people around you. Like, to me, that's more of a success than um, I built a successful company. Like, I think there's a lot more value in smaller areas, like even buying just a small house, you know, compared to someone in like the third world is just, it's we are very ungrateful for what we have. And that doesn't mean there aren't changes that could be made, you know, like obviously it sucks that like our healthcare system is the way it is, but I don't know. There people really just aren't grateful anymore. I I agree. I think I think this is something that the the eastern philosophy gets like gets down really well as being um successful inward. Like like there's a lot of people that um they have a lot of like monetary success you know they have the cars they have the houses they have the hot girls but they're really unhappy and just empty people Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people don't realize that i think people go in like the wrong direction when they're talking about wanting to be successful thinking that this stuff is gonna you know make them happier but i think what makes you happiest is you know providing for your community so you know you are a, a valuable person in your community and having people that love you so you know that you're valued to to um, people that you care about and then and then everything else comes after that you know having nice things that's just like an added thing because there are people like I mean the Buddhist religion those people don't they have nothing they own nothing but they are super happy because they are they are at peace with themselves mentally and with the people around them. Well, and I, and the, there's a big, the biggest difference in Eastern and Western philosophy is like you talk. One thing is that Western ideology in general is much more individual Mm -hmm. and Eastern, even like philosophies and religions are much more group oriented, community oriented, which there's, you have to strike the right balance though. Cause the other issue with like Eastern philosophy is that, it can get to the point where it's like, especially common in like, like Asian households and stuff like that is like students will face, like kids will face so much pressure when it comes to their academics mm-hmm. that they end up feeling like suffocated because 
their only measure of success is how their parents view them and how their community views them. And so their parents and their community are dictating what they do, you know, but in Western ideology, you have the opposite problem, which is no one tells you anything what to do. So you're completely lost, yeah. you know, and that that's when, when those ideologies run amok, those are the problems you see over controlled, under controlled. And so the key is finding a balance, you know, being dedicated to something above yourself, but also maintaining your own self image and your self interests, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that's so. that's like perfectly spoken right there. Exactly. I guess, yeah, I super agree mm -hmm. with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like, and a lot of people recognize that too, you know, not about the East-West thing, but like how individual individualism just doesn't cut it. I mean, that's that's why so many people are obsessed with like astrology. Yeah. You know, like think of how many, think of how many chicks you see like every day posting something about their zodiac sign on their instagram story mm -hmm. that's because they want to feel like a part of something bigger than themselves yeah but they don't feel like they are at least that's why i think it i mean some yeah. of it's fun you know you can like scroll through tiktok and be like oh i'm in aries it says aries or do this haha ha, that's me and then you scroll mm -hmm. so part of it is just like oh cool yeah but you know people that really get into it and really take it seriously it's because they're sort of looking for an identity and something to identify with that isn't just the Netflix shows they like to well, watch or something. I would, I would argue that's why like politics on social media is so dangerous because I, I see that's a why lot I of got, That's why I deleted fucking Twitter. <laughs> just now you deleted Twitter? Oh, I deleted it over a year ago. Yeah, I, 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 I got off that ago. miserable platform. Yeah. It's, it is draining. I had that, it's not even fun. I had a Twitter account for... I want to say like nine months and i was like i can't <laughs> it's, too, it's too much it's clicking too much. on every ben shapiro tweet and just getting more depressed as you scroll <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean it depends who you follow like really like if you're following like the 920 lounge like oh, yeah. <laughs> they have a pretty cool twitter yeah, page but... yeah i agree <laughs> shameless plug <laughs> um this is our episode we, don't, we can do whatever we want yeah, <laughs> no um, yeah it does i mean like you like meme accounts like barry yeah like okay. that's that's a good follow you know those funny. are pretty much the only ones i follow is like people that i'm interested in like musically a lot i'll follow on twitter and like then -I, I think i follow logic yeah I, I follow like a lot of rappers and like artists that i like a lot but mainly because they'll tweet when they're dropping new songs and stuff yeah so it's like one of the quicker ways to know that they're releasing something because spotify then, will tell you sometimes but not all the time yeah that's, then, that's why i just go on reddit like I'm actually serious. How is that any better than Twitter? <laughs> it's not. Well, no, because Reddit, I can like, Reddit I can go on like specific, like interests of mine. Oh yeah. You know, so fair. I can like, if, and it's literally just for like news. It's just like, oh, like this artist is dropping this or, um, this artist did a collab with this or like, look, check out this leak or whatever. And then I get to see it. But, okay. That's cool. And I also go and ask Reddit cause like they'll ask like, oh, I love what's like, I don't know, like what is the. Like, what's the stupidest thing you've done? And then you just get to see people, like, yeah, read people, yeah. like, embarrassing themselves in yeah. any number of ways. Yeah, I've just so now fun. started getting into Reddit, like, a little bit. Like, Reddit is it's just, cool, like, man. edgier Twitter. It's yeah. Just, that's all it is. Yeah. You can find some dark, dark things on Reddit. And also a lot of porn. There's a lot of porn <laughs> yeah, on Reddit. Yeah, yeah. I've been reading, like, into the science parts of it. <laughs> they have a lot of cool stuff in there. And, like, the, oh, yeah. uh, like, Ask Reddit or whatever you're talking about. There was one talking about like if a guy said he's a light year away from Earth, like, and he was in the fastest rocket ever built, would he ever get back? And the answer was like no. 
but it was like cool and depth. They like did the math and they were talking about you could still communicate back on Earth, but you'd send a message. It would take a year to get there. Then they'd respond and take a year to get to you. So you'd have to wait two years to hear back and forth from each other. Dude, that's that's what I'm like so impressed about with like um, places with like Reddit or 4chan. Like there's so many. Oh God, 4chan. I've never been on there, but. There's so many like impressive people on there that are just like account names, you know. Uh, I don't. Have you ever seen the? Um, I I subscribe to this guy, Internet Historian, on YouTube. I've heard. Of, I've, I've seen heard a couple of, of his videos. Yeah, I think he he covered what 4chan did to Shia LaBeouf. Dude, that was. Oh one, yeah, they literally, I've seen they that. They found his location based on like the wind <laughs> and like, and, like plane routes. Flag. Like the shadow of a flag and shit. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, that's that's insane. <laughs> yeah, just a few internet people were able to do that. So so uh, Shia LaBeouf basically had a like a, a live stream video of a flagpole. The camera was down on the ground, pointed up at the sky, so you could only see the flagpole in the sky. And it said the flag said, "He will not divide us." They found it in less than 48 hours <laughs> because there was an airplane yep. that was flying by. And uh, that's how they found, like, uh, yeah, they, they used the airplane. They used, um, when it got dark out, they used that for, like, the general uh, time zone. And then the airplane, they calculated the trajectory route. Then they heard a frog. <laughs> like, all right, it has to be in a swamp. They did a deep clean of, of like, all of social media to see if anybody's posted about Shia LaBeouf recently. And it was this girl near this town that was like near a swampy area. And that's how they found that shit. That's, that's terrifying. That's <laughs> that is so insane. <laughs> one image on the internet and they will find you. They know exactly where you live. So the lesson is if you're going to like put up, put up a live stream, just don't point it at the sky where you can see planes. Well, if you point well, it at the ground, I bet they'd use something with that, too. Yeah. No, I, oh, I guess one ribbit <laughs> is enough to... <laughs> that rock looks enough. like it's got 20,000 years of erosion. <laughs> I know where it is. <laughs> the lesson is, if you really want to find somebody, give them to the internet. Yeah. Because they'll find them. There was another uh, case where the bike lock guy, during those um, uh, the riots in... what It starts with a B. There was a bunch of riots. Baltimore? Baltimore, yeah, it might have been Baltimore. Like, for, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't Ferguson. It no, was, wasn't it, um, it was, Michael Brown or... Um, the MAGA guys... Ferguson was Michael Brown. Yeah. Oh. Um, MAGA guys ended up fighting Antifa. They clashed together in this. It was a huge thing. People got hurt. Basically, anyways, this guy had a... He had a complete, like, full mask on, full black outfit, and he hit a guy with a bike lock on the head. And the guy was, like, bleeding out of his head, obviously, because you hit him with a fucking bike lock. Object. But he, like, ran away. They reported it to the police officers, and the officers were like, well, I, it's, a, it's an entire riot. There's no way we're ever going to find this guy. They posted it on the internet, and they were like, hey, find this guy. And they found him. <laughs> they found him real quick. They saw, like, they took, like, every single video that was recorded of that riot, and they found, uh, like, correlation of, of him in every single video. One one frame of one video the guy like was reaching out with his hand and there was like there was a tattoo on his wrist that you could just barely see and that's how they found him he turned out to be a professor at a university oh my wow. god 
so wow. yeah that was that's maybe that's what my professors are up to just go down there a riot and get the shit kicked out of you then all of a sudden they're like wait andrew is that you <laughs> Hey, you getting up for class tomorrow? Hey, you gave me a, you. you gave me a B, you son of a bitch. Jesus. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, another one of those like same veins of like people finding things is the whole like Burger King foot lettuce meme. Like as much yeah. as I hate that person's voice and the whole <laughs> meme that came from it, what the actual thing was about. Dude, it's, you, it's you used funny. to quote that. No, all I know. The time. It, I quote it because I hate it. It's like <laughs> one of those things where I love to hate it. Yeah. His voice is very annoying, but <laughs> that's not the point I'm trying to get at here. So the picture came from Reddit of this guy like stepping in the lettuce that they put on the Burger King food with his shoes on, which is gross as hell. Mm-hmm. And so they gross. fucking they tracked him down, and uh, the guy got fired for it. Like I don't know how they figured it out, but. They found out he was working in this city, this Burger King location. They contacted a supervisor, sent him the picture, and said, hey, we have reason to believe this is the guy who's doing it, and like he works here. And all you can see in the fucking photo was part of the kitchen at Burger King, the dude's shoes and pants, which were probably like the Standard. most common yeah. shoes ever. Like There were just some like black, basic-ass shoes. The pants were probably part of the Burger King uniform, and they still found him. Like, that shit's nuts. <laughs> I don't know how. Well, when you get that many people that can look at it, you know, you're bound to find at least one or two talented people that have the ability to give a detail. And then it's just one other person happens to find another detail and she's piecing a a, a giant puzzle together, you know? Like, you give... If you're trying to work on, like, a puzzle that's, like, 500 pieces, you give one piece to... uh, like one person so that's 500 people with one piece each and then you throw them into a room with like 10,000 people you're you're bound to find enough people that like will be able to put the puzzle together you know what i'm saying yeah like that's that's what's scary about it because like that's like everybody can work on it you know like when you're working on like a a case uh like let's say you're like a detective or something and like the only people who know about the case would be you, the detective, the the officers that came to the scene, the witnesses, and then that's it. And those are the only people that really can know yeah. legally. Yeah, so. exactly. And yeah, for good reason. Yeah. For good reason. But then you give something to the internet, and that's that's everybody. That's every single person can see that. <laughs> every single person can put something in there. Yeah, dude. Don't uh, yeah. Don't do anything. Uh, don't do anything stupid on on public internet. You, oh, you yeah. will get found out. <laughs> I think more people need to hear that. <laughs> that's yeah. Really bad. Well, that's also the reason I deleted like Twitter and stuff. As I was like, I'm just one of these days. I'm gonna say something dumb. And then it's going to get exposed later. Yeah, so like, like something I mean, that's normal today, but then in 20 years yeah. won't be, so then we'll get in trouble. Yeah, like oh, yeah. Th- like Thomas Jefferson is now, uh, <clears throat> we can't have his statue in New York because he once owned slaves. Even though he was a founder of our country, helped write the Constitution, and literally put in the Constitution the idea that all men are created equal. And we're, we're removing his statue because he doesn't live up to our moral code nowadays. That's such a, that's such a hard argument. I don't think I don't think it is because I think I think they're focusing you're focusing on the wrong part. It's like the monument to Thomas Jefferson is not a monument to slavery. That's like saying a monument to Martin Luther King Jr. is a monument to adultery. Like no, just because no, I'm kidding. Like just just because some people have like great people can still do bad things. Thomas Jefferson was a great person. 
who had some moral failings. He owned slaves and he did some allegedly pretty bad things to those slaves. But the point of having a Thomas Jefferson statue is that he is the representation of an ideal. The ideal being all men are created equal, which was his phrase Mm -hmm. and his idea. That so, is kind of strange, though, that he said that yet still owned slaves. Well, I get he, that's what people see, did at the time, is, but this is where it's difficult because he he was basically born into owning those slaves, and he set he set a bunch of them free um, before he died, and he also wrote he he wrote multiple times that basically the country of the United States could not live up to its ideals so long as slavery existed, and he he also. Um, chastised the crown when they were still fighting them uh, for having slaves in like in their colonies because they outlawed um, slavery in Britain earlier than the US but it took them longer to outlaw slavery in the places they owned but weren't obviously connected to Britain so like mm-hmm. when they owned like places in Africa and stuff they still had slavery yeah. there yeah mm, so okay. they still had slavery in other parts of the world just not in their particular area where they lived but so he he talked and wrote many times about how slavery was an evil of the world and how it shouldn't exist and how the united states should do everything they can to outlaw it so like yes he owned them but it's like historically it's more important that he did such great things for the founding of the country it's just like abraham lincoln Abraham Lincoln, I'm sure, was no uh, saint. I, I don't know. I mean, there's, like, some people say, like, he didn't actually want to end slavery. He just wanted to bring the country together, and he used slavery as an excuse. But the fact remains that he is the president who ended slavery. Yeah. So whether he had the right intentions or not doesn't matter. He ended slavery. That's the point. That is the point of the monument. Well, it's not... Name me one politician that you couldn't argue that did something good for their own political gain. Yeah, I mean, like when you get into politics, it's it's all it's all messed up, man. Every good thing that you do will be casterized by the other side, and will be overly spoken about by your side to try and gain more points with the public and stuff. So yeah. I, I I know that wasn't like your main focus, but, yeah, but but yeah, no, no, that that slave thing I had like I had somebody um, get really mad about George Washington because he owned slaves too, and I was like, that's not the that's not the point. Yeah, that's I mean, not the entire point. It doesn't, and the thing is, it doesn't mean you have to be ignorant about the fact. Like, you can still teach kids that George Washington owned slaves. Yeah, like you, that may be a, an important historical fact. But at the same time, you need to recognize that George Washington was the general that made the United States a country. So the very first, like literally you should, you should honor that, you know, whether he, I mean, of course he's not going to have the most liberal views. Like, do you think George Washington would be a supporter of the LGBTQ community community? Definitely. No. no. I mean, but like, that's the thing. That was how many years ago? Of course he wasn't going to support that. That wasn't the moral identity of the time that's not how people lived you know people just lived by different codes at that time but the point is that he did something great that led to the creation of this country and that's what you're recognizing you're not recognizing the fact that he had wooden teeth or like the fact that he cheated on his wife like that's not what you're um, memorializing in those monuments you're memorializing the great things they did because you're up 
you're upholding those things they did as the ideal. That's the point. I just think it's I just think it's not uh, productive to like to hate those that those people just to hate those people. You know, because I, I find that a lot of these people that were like fuck uh, George Washington or or fuck um, who were we talking about before Thomas Jefferson. Fuck Thomas Jefferson. That that kind of stuff. Those people. A lot of those people just just want to hate them just because they don't. They want to bring another thing against, like another argument against America. Mm-hmm. You know. And, uh, well, they're also probably historically ignorant. So. Yeah. Yeah. Ex- well. Yeah. Definitely. Because what they did was, like, almost unheard of in all of human history. You know, one of the like America's revolution was very special in that they're one of the first people that like once they gained power they gave it back to the people yeah that's no other empire in or revolution in all of human history has ever gained power and then gave it up like that that's what's amazing about the american revolution because that's what's so different about the french revolution because a lot of people like to compare the american revolution to they were they're not all the same they weren't at all they didn't they weren't they were very different they were based on the same ideas kind of but the french revolution ended much worse yeah than the american revolution they ended much worse one of the reasons for that is is i believe because they did the opposite of what america did once the people who created the revolution and, and went through with it uh, once they got the power, they were like, I'm going to hold on to this now. Now mm-hmm. I'm the one in charge, and I'm going to hang on to it. But America was like, well, we have all this power now. Let's give it to the people so we will not have as much power. It's going to be much more difficult for us, but we don't care about that because we have these standard set of codes that we want to follow. Yeah. And that's that's what is amazing because usually in almost any revolution – um, the the first people who who uh, who take down the the current regime and get placed as the new regime, most of those people do not live very long. You look at any revolution in history, and most of those people end up getting killed. And I think it's because of that power, like that they just take, and then all the other people are like, well, either you're just doing the same thing that you fought against, or or um, I think you could do better, so I'm going to take you down and and basically do exactly what you just did so uh, but uh, the reason why and and i think the american revolution would have ended up exactly the same if they hadn't given the power back to the people because that was kind of uh because our colonies hated each other they absolutely hated each other and they only were allied with each other because they hated the british together and actually there were multiple colonies who opposed the revolution in in the initial vote i i don't remember exactly what convinced them but i think it was like um virginia was like uh really against the revolution initially Mm -hmm. but yeah they kind of had to help out because i mean if they lose and the british empire isn't going to give a pass to virginia well the only reason we even won the revolution was because of the french i mean people forget like we obviously it is impressive that we beat the British, but the only reason we were able to was because we had the French that were willing to help us and give us arms and yeah. protect us with their Navy. Cause we didn't really have one. Well, the British and the French have been fighting for a very long time. They fucking time hated each that. other. They, oh my God. They had been like, 
wasn't that the Hundred Years' War, or was that Spanish? I don't remember. Um, no, the, no. Well, I think there was. There's multiple Hundred Years. Wars, I actually don't I know enough God. about the the span. The, uh, yeah, I've heard about this, but I feel like I learned about it through Spanish. I I could be wrong though. Don't quote me. <laughs> I I don't. But either way, there's a Fifty Years' War out there. There's an Eighty Years' War. There's a Hundred. Years there's a war, Three Days' War. Three days war. There's there's plenty of length of time war, but I know one of the bigger ones is uh, Britain versus France. But um, yeah, that yeah, they had some beef for as sure. As much as I don't want to admit it, yeah, the French the French did help a lot in the American Revolution. But mm-hmm. hey, we got them back during World War Two. All right, yeah, so exactly. We're even now. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we came in a little late during yeah. World War Two, but we're even now. Not only that, but like uh, a lot of the british fighting style and like attire for like war was supposed to like be professional and like be done a certain way and we were just kind of like we don't want to do that because they would like line up in formations right and like shoot in in a huge formation we were just like well what we're gonna do is not stand in a big square and instead shoot you from trees and run away (laughs) yeah well we just just went right back to guerrilla warfare yeah britain and france they could they could afford to do that but we we couldn't afford to do well that. britain started engaging in guerrilla warfare like later on because well, they, were, they were they like, were like they were like enough. they were like okay we can't do this this formal shit because they're gonna win easily yeah well i so, think i think any any uh nation if they get desperate enough they're just gonna go back to any tactic that they can do. Oh, yeah, i mean uh just the whole geneva convention that's stuff it's wild it is wild what countries will do to win a war yes yes it it's is disgustingly insane. wild like <laughs> yeah. i mean if if a man's trying to hurt you, you know you. Somebody, um, I watched uh, uh, one of the um, the sequel to Band of Brothers, the miniseries, uh, the Pacific. Yeah. Now, I've read a lot of those guys' books, Lecky and Sledge, who are two Marines that um, fought during that time, real life Marines. I read both of their books, and uh, Lecky was saying like, when you're over there and you're in war. Like you would, you would be very surprised what a man could do to another man just to save his own life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and, a survival instinct. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no, there's no like, huh, we're gonna fist the cups right here, and whoever wins wins, and when it's a handshake, <laughs> no, I'm gonna spit in your eye, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick you in the nuts, you know, yep. bite your ear off if I can. Tyson. Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Like, do anything you. Oh, can I, I'm sorry. I meant uh, Mike Tyson. Um, but but yeah in those situations like the geneva code gets violated all the time the only people who follow the geneva convention are the people who can afford to follow the geneva convention and who aren't at war i mean like we're not at war so we have no reason to break it well yeah yeah that's true i mean Um, we are but like it's we're at low like i mean it's it's not the like, war people think of though and when people think yeah. war they think like yeah invasion and shit yeah. like we're basically just have like like bases all around the world that basically just we're in like it's like a what do they call it a stalemate sort of thing yeah you yeah. just kind of sit there and just yeah. make sure nothing happens well yeah i i think what do you think about that what bases, like around, the bases world? around the world it's it's a really tough call because it's not ideal that we pump a bunch of money into it and that we risk American lives. But at the same time, some of the things we're like trying to prevent are things that should be prevented. Yeah. Like I, I think we do have a responsibility as a country to prevent 
certain things around the world. Like, I, I don't think we should just stand by and watch as terrorists take over a country and start murdering civilians. Mm-hmm. Like, just because, I mean, a lot of, it's almost like the libertarian sort of thing where, oh, just, just let them be and they'll figure things out. And it's like, no, I don't, I don't think you should just, uh, hands off and just let, um, another Holocaust happen just because I don't want to put money into it. You mm-hmm. know, at the same time though, I, I do think that we have an idea that we can change things more than we can. Yeah. Like we, how many regimes have we tried to start up and tried to support um, after knocking down the old one, and it ends up collapsing in a power vacuum forms, and the same mm, types yeah. of people we were trying to prevent from getting into power get into power anyway. Yeah, it's so, a it's a tough situation with like no clear cut like good way to do it, or we would have yeah. done it already. Well, it's very different when a foreigner does it. I feel like like. When the United States goes into other countries and they try to help out people, people don't look at them like, oh, the big, great United States. No, they hate them. They look at like the giant, intimidating foreigners that are trying to like come in and place their values onto us or force their values onto us, you know, which I being American, I think the American values are are arguably some of the best values that you can have out there. Um, But you can't convince people of other cultures that our culture is better by forcing yeah. them into it you know? yeah i mean that's it's sharing ideas not forcing ideas that's the issue that's with a lot of things the change has to come from within i mean it's the same thing when people talk about issues of poverty and stuff in the u.s and there's obviously a lot the government maybe could do to help um help people out in those situations but at the same time you know no one no one is just gonna come in and be the savior like in those countries across in a lot of countries in the middle east and stuff the u.s coming in and taking over may be temporarily beneficial but in the end those there's no actual um how should i say this there's no passion behind those people that are we're now putting in power you know they're Mm -hmm. just there to fill the vacuum we created there's no like actual values underlying it mm-hmm. and that's i mean that's a problem in our country too is that a lot of people just don't have values especially politicians they don't actually stand on their principles um but it's, it's especially lacking in those countries there's no um like the people in those countries don't want that change even though it is pretty object objectively like we are almost objectively a better culture yeah. than a lot of those countries, but um, they don't recognize that. I mean, trying to convince people that the thing you've been doing for thousands of years is wrong and um, pointing guns at them is not going to convince them that yeah. how many yeah. thousands of years of them doing things a certain way is the wrong way to do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that change has to come from those people in those countries. But that doesn't also mean this is the issue. I don't think that also means we just leave them to fend for themselves and just be brutalized. Well, I mean, yeah. look at you know? South Korea, though. We, we kind of helped out with South Korea. We gave, like, during the Korean War. But that's because they, but see, the thing was, they wanted it, though. That's, that's South true. Korea, because yeah. North Korea was invading them. Yeah. So they wanted our help there. That's why it's very different from, the, the Korean War was very different from the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Because in the Vietnam War, there was actually huge support for the communist revolution there 
it was just, but in Korea, like in South Korea, they're, they didn't want North Korea coming in and um, creating a dictatorship. So we were there and our, their values like were behind us. They supported us because we held similar values to them. Yeah. But, and um, with the Korean war too, we would have actually completely like pushed out the North Korean invaders and fucking stuff. China. Yeah. But China started to get mad that we were pushing too close to their territory. They're like, Hey, if you don't back off and like stop, we're going to get involved. And we're like, all right, we'll split it in half and call it a day. I'm not, yeah, not, <laughs> not trying to, not trying to start the biggest conflict in world history. Right yeah. Now, so yeah, right after starting the biggest conflict <laughs> yeah. in history, world war two. Yeah. We, we just, we just killed Hitler and then we're like, mm, let's make an enemy out of the biggest <laughs> army in the world. Go on to the next one. Guys. <laughs> yeah. No. no, the, those, those two wars are very interesting because we did have, like it was essentially like a, a, a I want to say it was like a proxy war where like you had multiple nations backing mm-hmm. other nations to fight in a one singular nation area um but a lot of it was east versus west like you know Russia yeah. versus the US China versus the US oh yeah yeah, yeah just definitely. ideal clash mm. yeah what do you what do you think about like the world basically being split in half between individualism and collectivism? Like, do you hmm. think there's a way that we could come together and use the best of both of them? Or is it just going to be split like this until one of us takes the other one? I think, well, so the world is based on opposites. You know, you're only, you're only happy because you only know what happiness is because sadness exists. You only know what, um, you only know what light is because darkness darkness exists. Mm. You know, um, well, actually, darkness is just an absence of light. Dark. I learned that in science Shut class. The fuck up. You know what I mean. <laughs> you see a shadow and you recognize that as darker than this because there's a difference. I was just kidding. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. But um, so I think it's um, it's sort of like the line. I know you guys hate the new Star Wars trilogy, but uh, oh, whatever. <laughs> Snoke says like a line in like the Force Awakens where he says like darkness rises and light to meet it and i think that just kind of happens naturally across the world if we have a hyper individualistic society like the united states there will be countries that go that are in total opposition to us and so i think those power plays will always exist i do think people themselves like individual people and like families can find the right balance between individualism and I mean, the word is communism, but it's a different connotation. Yeah, collectivism. Yeah. Um, I think you can find the right balance as an individual, but I don't think group psychology is much different than individual psychology. And people in groups tend to have much more extreme views. Mm -hmm. And so... Because everybody around them is backing them up. Yeah. Well, it it is weird how people can change in a mob. Like, people will do things wildly outside of their character so long as enough people are behind them or with them and doing yeah it. there's a psychological term for it and i forgot what it was yeah there but. there is i i don't remember what it is though but yeah but yeah so i i think it's almost inevitable that countries like china and um russia will just be hyper controlled societies just because because we we exist because they exist and they exist because we exist you know what i'm saying with all like the ease of information now though and i had a conversation like this just recently 
So let me back it up a little bit. So are you aware of like Thucydides' trap? Thucydides' maybe. It's the theory that every around every eighty years oh. there is a a warring conflict between uh, a nation and another nation, or the nation within itself. Okay. Um, and uh, with America, you can point out the American Revolution was one of them. And then 80 years later, roughly 80 years later, you get the Civil War. Then after that is World War One and World War Two. And after that is it's the Cold War. And well, don't forget the War of 1812 in between the Revolution and the Civil War. So <laughs> yeah, sure, all right. <laughs> um, but I think every 80 years there's like I think it's roughly every 80 years because I think there's like there's three different generations that that come and go mm -hmm. at the same time you know you get the old generation you get the generation that just gave birth to the new generation and then you get the new generation mm -hmm. and the old generation has um has certain values that the new generation will never be able to understand yeah. because the old generation created a society in which the two newer generations are like are, have completely different lives than the older one so then it just changes completely different ideologies that's why we think very differently than our parents do because our parents were raised very differently than we were is that sort of the thing where it's like it's like a saying it's like strong men create good times yes. good yes. times create weak weak men weak men create bad times strong men create good times and it's a cycle yeah sort of yeah. yeah yeah exactly that's that's kind of Thucydides trap only in that quote they're kind of shitting on one of the generations yeah uh, it's the weak men yeah and, and but you're just a, saying yeah okay yeah that's a that's a, like a little bit different but the idea is there yeah so but my argument like or like i guess what i want to ask is like do you believe that there's a point where we can get past you know past that because typically governments will go into cycles mm -hmm. um because uh let's say like the older generation they wanted freedom from their tyrannical regime so then they fought and they got freedom from their tyrannical regime. Then the next generation um, grows up in this completely free society, and it's too free to the point where people are free to like do terrible things to each other. And then they're like, well, I want more security. And then they go more into a more secure generation uh, or into a more secure society. Then their children grow up in... Uh, uh, like a very tough and rule-oriented regime. Mm -hmm. They want freedom, break out, and then just the cycle goes over and over and over again. I, I, I honestly don't think we, it's possible to get out of that cycle. I kind of mentioned it earlier with Freud's idea of even if we create a heaven on earth, we have like a warring instinct that basically almost drives us to create conflict between each other. So I do think I do think that cycle exists. I mean, even when you have relatively peaceful times i mean you think about it like um like in i think it was like in the 90s or whatever i mean that was considered a relatively peaceful like good decade mm -hmm. and even in that decade we've had like the unabomber and like the oklahoma city bombing yeah so there are people that will grow up like you said and that like resent the safety they resent the the rules mm -hmm. that create stability they want some men just want to watch the world burn sort well, of those thing, guys are right? outliers though. but yeah. no but but what i'm saying is those those like those things will always exist you know that that cycle exists because it's almost in our nature 
you know as yeah. even even if we have peaceful times they're still disrupted by extremely negative events and the thing is it only takes one bad event i mean then you know to think of how greatly things have changed since 9-11 i mean no one saw that coming it's just it happened and it's literally changed the world ever since yeah, it's, it's changed the way we view surveillance how we view the morality of surveillance how we view the government role roles in our lives so i would argue it's more of that security that i was talking about like people, yeah people no now want more security it is security versus um freedom yeah. um and i think i don't remember there was like a founding father that said Benjamin those Franklin? those who prefer security to freedom deserve neither which I think he's got a point, but, yeah, um, but yeah, no, I, I think that cycle will always, always exist. And, um, I don't think we're capable of breaking out of that cycle unless we go to like some next step of evolution or something. And we yeah. That's what I was going to bring different. up is like the only way I ever see this changing is cause this has been human nature, not throughout recent times, not throughout the past century, but throughout literally all of our existence. The only way we could ever fix it is to become not human. And what I mean by that is like make some sort of technology that teaches our brain how to think outside of itself. I think we can more evolve. So, so why I wanted to, to ask you this is because mm -hmm. I have, I'm not saying I completely disagree with you guys because I don't know. I mean, you um, can disagree. Okay. There, no, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, yeah, I don't. I'm not afraid to. Disagree, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I like. I seriously, I, I don't yeah. know, and I have heard arguments about like. So you're saying that we have to evolve and I'm saying that, that we, we've started developing technology that we could never even think was possible. Like right. Just 10, 15, 20 years but ago, we don't feel like this is impossible to do. Yeah. It, 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 and it obviously, uh, going back to our first conversation that we had, it's drastically changing, uh, the way we interact with each other and mm -hmm. the, how we think and how we act just uh, in, in society. So like, there's a big change that this kind of stuff is, is bringing out in us I, I actually i actually i don't think it actually changes the way we interact in the sense that i think it just um what do you call it amplifies the way we already feel well i would argue that that's a change i mean yeah but but it, i mean think of how many negative things we've seen as a result of the technology well every every time we create some sort of new technology it eventually becomes a shell of what it once was i mean like when we when we first created smartphones and something like or not even smartphones just like regular cell phones it was like oh my god you can call people on the go like that's amazing and it was fine for a while but then as technology develops we just we see worse and worse outcomes you know like polarization is worse than it's ever been partially because what's that like um sort of like being uh entrenched in your own side oh okay right. yeah so like right. yeah left versus right like the more polarized the more separated sort of yeah like and um north and south pole okay yeah and so like i i think um you have a point and i i do think technology is changing the way we interact but i think it is still in line with how we've always acted it's just we see it on a grander scale and on a, in a different way okay you know yeah that that makes a lot of sense because yeah i guess we're making physical changes not chemical changes boom science <laughs> right there like but like yeah yeah it's 
my my argument though is is with all this ease of information, like mm-hmm. you can just you can get any sort of information just off of your phone now. Yeah. Um, we're able to process information much faster and send out information human to human much faster than we ever were able to ever before. And that's I true. think that's one big part in a step towards evolution is the ability to communicate even better than we already can. Because a, a lot of, like, you look at, like, animals out there, there's a lot of animals that are terrible at communicating with each other, and that's ultimately their big downfall. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of animals that are really good with communicating with one another, and that's that's what makes them a superior animal, like dolphins. Yeah. They're extremely, they have their own language. That's why they're such, that's why they're, they're such uh, powerful creatures, because they have, they have the ability to communicate unlike uh, unlike a, a sunfish, which can't communicate at all because it's a dumb little sunfish. <laughs> hey, so. man, sunfish have feelings too. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. They, don't. they can't have feelings because they're a fish. That's what makes them not as good as dolphins. I know I, I get your point. but <laughs> Well, I think to respond, I think there's a sort of law of diminishing returns thing that comes up here. You know what that is, right? No. Okay, so the law of diminishing returns. It's I think it's it's more of like an economic sort of theory, but it works throughout other principles of life, which is like something can only get so good before it just flattens out. And it, mm. like even if you get more of something, it doesn't actually change anything. It's like if you like you reach a certain point where the more water you drink, it it like it literally doesn't matter your body's just going to piss it out. Cuz you, you don't can actually need... die if you drink too much yeah, water. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. But so then I mean that would be that would slant way the down in the graph. Just killing us all. That's, but that's what that would like you can you can drink so much water to the point where it literally the more water you have, it doesn't even it's not hydrating you, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. So I think the I don't think it's necessarily true that more communication is going to bring us to the next step because I think there is sort of a law of diminishing returns with communication. You know, just because you can communicate more doesn't mean you actually come to an understanding more. You know, you can basically, and essentially, more communication just allows you to spew more bullshit. But that doesn't actually mean the information you're communicating is useful or beneficial. Well, what if it could be useful? I mean, it can be, but at the same time, communication is extremely delicate because there are ways you can manipulate language um, that it can change entire meanings of words and sentences and it can change your intention and stuff like that. Just the way the tone, like your tonality, like the words you pick, you know, I mean, there are, there was a psychological study that like when people use certain words, they're just automatically seen as more intelligent, even if they aren't, you know? So I don't think it's necessarily true that more communication actually makes us better and I don't think more communication equals better communication. No, yeah, no, you know? no, definitely. That's not what I'm. That's not what I'm. Okay, to sorry. Okay. Obviously, I'm, there's going to be some absolute utter crap that comes out. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, of we're seeing it right now. <laughs> yeah. But I'm thinking. Funny like, of it. I'm thinking back to like um, historians think that the way that humans evolved from the other um, Homo genus mm-hmm. to Homo sapiens specifically was the creation of fire and what the creation of fire is when you boil it down it's basically the ability to control um energy so um that's what made us us so i feel like 
we're we're getting to a point. We're still far from it, but we're getting to a point where we're able to see a possibility of being able to control communication. And that would be very, very big. What do you mean by control communication? So like we become more aware of how we're communicating or it, it becomes more fluid. It becomes much, much easier, like I said, to process information from one human to the other. Okay. So when, when we're talking well, like primally processing information would be me thinking about something in my head and then me are attempting to articulate it in a way in which you will be able to understand it. Mm -hmm. Then I talk and, and, and articulate it through my mouth to your ears. And then you have to process that information and then attempt to um, think about it in which, in a way that uh, that I'm trying to com to communicate it to you. And in between that that communication, things can get really messed up because it's very it's very um, vulnerable. Yeah, it's very um, easy to like get messed up in. But when when we're talking about the ability to send. And I'm not talking about like the ability to like DM somebody on Instagram. No, no. So like okay. So I'm trying to get this right. So you, so you're saying that our ability to basically process and distribute information mm -hmm. is so quick and fast and fluid that yeah. that is the reason. Yes. It's like it could take us yeah, to the exactly. next step. Yeah, exactly. Because like potentially, I mean, if there, um, if there was a time where we could actually all come together as one and all the scientists from Russia um, collaborate with all the scientists from America, just for example, um, and they could, they could seriously find some very impressive stuff. And both, both are complete opposite sides of the world. They have completely different um, situations that they're in, mm -hmm. whether it, it be just like, unlike almost every single demographic, you know, just a different way that people think a different, different climate, different region, you know, that all goes into, um, goes into all the information that you're trying to give to the other person. When you're, if you're able to do that across the world, like we could come up with some very crazy, crazy technology. Well, uh, that's the thing easier. too. Um, with the COVID vaccine, this happened. Every person in the world was all working towards a goal. And now they might not have been sharing it as much as they should have, because obviously they're still a business aspect well, to the pharmaceuticals the but the i know there was some collaboration going yeah. on between many countries including our own with trying to find a um not a cure uh, a vaccine for covid19 so that's like one of the reasons i don't want to get into the whole vax or not thing yeah yeah that's but like we're trying to when, when people were tripping about like how the hell did it come out so fast it's like well it's not like they just started when the stay-at-home order started because for us that was in march some countries are doing it before us like it, it hit every country at different times. As soon as a disease is like on the market, there's someone out there. Exactly. To a yeah, it just yeah. didn't become a big deal until yeah. what 2019, right? Mm -hmm. 20 it was 20. Actually, I mean, the first case I think was in November of 2019 in China. And yeah. 2020 was when it but it that, blew up yeah. huge, but it was still it being wasn't talked actually about. Confirmed until December of 2019, though. So that's probably when people would have started. But that just yeah. goes to show, like what the power of communication can be because if you go like 150 years back if you find a disease in china there's no way that america's like all right we need to start prepping for this you know let's let's start looking for a disease how most of china people. wouldn't have even known exactly yeah. exactly you get like just a disease on the other side of china you know the left hand side is not going to know 
they they're not gonna care. But <laughs> especially um, like the more like impoverished and like rural yeah, areas. Yeah, exactly. They don't care. Help. They they have no idea. Yeah. But now, like the minute that you talk about a virus, somebody's already like at the lab trying to figure out how to find a cure. Yeah. Like it's that quick. Well, I think technology. So okay, to respond. So I think communication in that way is like obviously really beneficial like that increased communication and capacity to communicate with each other obviously has really good benefits like like being able to create a vaccine really fast or for maybe in the future create cures for certain diseases or medications or something like that or sharing or even one of the biggest things now is um learned about in psychology is called like open science like there's like databases where literally anyone can just read a psychological study that just came out and you can have any number of thousands of like peers like reviewing it at any given time yeah i've heard about that yeah and it's like it's like that that stuff is really good because you can weed out really good information from really bad information quickly but the other but the issue is as quickly as you can get good information out you can also get bad information out Mm. i mean this is there is sort of an a an overblown response to misinformation where people are like oh okay we need to censor these people or whatever but misinformation is a very real thing mm-hmm. and there have been many stories recently where um a, a news story breaks and they're like oh my god this is happening and then it turns out to just be complete bullshit yeah. and but then 30 percent of people that saw the story never checked in on it later so they still fucking believe it even though it's not true um so I think communication obviously makes a difference, but I don't think it can just technology when it comes to communication alone can take us to the next step because like I said, bad information can go out just as quickly as good information. And oftentimes lies actually travel quicker than the truth because lies are often more um, exaggerated and more interesting. They're juicier. Yeah. Juicier um, so in that sense, I don't think communication can take us to the next level just because I, I don't think it actually changes how we process information. It changes the speed and the availability of information, but it doesn't change how we perceive stuff like in our heads. And it also doesn't change our points of emphasis either. Like just because we have, I have the ability to read a scientific study like about like microbiology doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, so it also doesn't change our points of emphasis in what we look for, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a good argument, I guess. I mean, well, did that answer like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I have a tendency to ramble. so (laughs) Yeah. I got to, I got to catch up like with my brain here. See, this is the issue, you know. I'm not processing this information fast. That's and that's the other thing. We also have a limit on how much information we like meaningful information we can process. Yeah. Like I can't tell you how many YouTube videos I've watched that I've probably forgotten and mm-hmm. will never remember because facts. I've gone I've watched the video and that was fifteen minutes of my life down the drain and I all then I went to go study for an exam and all that shit went on my head. And that's I just remember Elon all my Musk's stuff for me. Neuralink is for, though. Oh lord. Wait, what is it gonna do? fucking terrible yeah but i thought that was not for like memory from from what i heard i thought it was supposed to i was just making a 
uh, oh, partially okay. a joke, but like, yeah, he does want to put chips in the people's brains. No, uh, he, yeah, that is a thing he's working on, a project, but from what I heard, it's mainly going to be for people who have psychological disorders, uh, such as, yeah, what's but, that one that Michael J. Fox has? Parkinson's? Parkinson's. I think it's, that's going to be one of the things that yeah, can help how do you, with. Yeah, but how do you fix that? Well, it's, I, dude, Parkinson's, I have no idea. into their brain. Yeah. So I have you, no they, idea. Make chip for your brain. Yeah. yeah, no, it is going to be a chip in your brain, but it's well, not going to be like uh, you're a robot now. It's going to be like people don't realize that there, there's there's literally a psychological treatment. It's called um, deep brain stimulation. What it is 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 literally a metal rod inserted into your head, and it gives off electrical impulse like pulses, so that. Uh. It's like to treat like extreme depression and stuff that because sketchy. yeah, is that it like is a, it? No, it, is it's extremely dangerous. No, it's say. it's not. Yeah. It's not. It's like the last option because it's extremely risky and it can cause like per, obviously permanent brain damage. That sounds and like it can some lead to like other severe issues. Requiem for a dream type thing. Well, it's basically it's basically for people who are like, uh, like on the verge of like suicide and no other treatments have worked for them, mm. and so they'll try it because if i die i die sort of a thing oh, okay. you know? yeah so yeah. it's not it's not exactly on the forefront of treatment but Definitely. it's there yeah. okay. and it exists yeah hope you enjoyed this episode of the 920 lounge podcast if you like our conversations make sure to follow our socials with the links in the podcast description drop a rating and a review too it helps with our podcast awareness more content coming next thursday see you then